to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michael Chenitz, and today we have speed scale, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just, got, just got in? Yeah, and, and Matt Leroy, right? That's Leroy. Leroy, Leroy yep. sorry. You know, I always get, I am the worst person with names. So if you have to, you know, ask me about, you know, to remember your name, forget about it. You know, it <laughs> takes okay. me like three years and then I still might not remember. So <laughs> At least you were close. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right, so so today we're going to talk a little bit about API testing, right? API testing is the big subject area. Yeah. So yeah. first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about you know what I like to do is I like to break it down. So first of all, why are APIs so important these days? Let's let's talk about you know first first and foremost that you know. Yeah. Gosh. So. Um, I mean, there's so many, so many ways to answer that question, yeah. but, uh, you know, I guess one of the big things is, uh, we've, we've all become obsessed with, uh, service-based architectures again, yep. right? And so, uh, you know, the great thing about service-based architectures is that every team gets to own their little part of the world, right? So like your, your, your organizational structure sort of matches the technology, right? Cause everybody gets to own their containers. The problem is, is that the glue that holds them together is these APIs, yep. right? And so, uh, you know, of course, in the textbooks, everything just works great all the time. <laughs> the problem is in the real world, you get uh, contract changes and this drift that happens between yes. them. And so you've got to, you know, there's sort of like obvious stuff like what would be in like a swagger spec, which yeah. is like, uh, you know, like, like, hey, we define this and this change. Then there's the more real world cases of like, hey, we have all these edge cases. Like, I've got a, um, a search you know, I've got a, a certain set of search and the parameters can be, can be different, right? And there's edge cases that where somebody searches for 10,000 rows and we never designed for that. And so, you know, API testing covers all that and makes sure that you, you're staying on top of this drift between the services, so. Yeah, and, and that's a huge thing. I mean, you know, every single, every single company and, and all the divisions within that company have different ways of thinking about APIs and what's needed. And a lot of them don't even have good standards around there. So a lot of times what we talk about here is API quality, uh -huh. you know, because, you know, that's a huge thing. Some of the things I think about is versioning, you know, of these APIs. So many times things get broken because of the fact that there might not be a versioning, just something changes. And then all of a sudden, the onus is on the, the developers consuming that API mm -hmm. to, to realize that and to be able to, you know, you know, uh, retrofit or uh, not retrofit, but, but be able to, you know, implement that change within their um, environment there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you can't, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to keep up with the latest version of JavaScript. Now I got to keep up with everybody else at my company changing APIs and then third parties changing APIs. And you know, one of the things that often gets overlooked in cloud native architectures is like, we, we did all this work with Kubernetes and with cloud native to scale up the infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. So now it's all horizontally scaled, but it's wonderful. <laughs> but what we didn't think through is, yeah, but what about at the application level? Yep. And so this concept of load testing, you know, like it, it's, it's incredibly difficult in the cloud native architecture and people have kind of just thrown it to the side and so then they load test in production. Yeah. And yeah. then they get to enjoy that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the fruits of that absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and, and the other thing is, is that it, it kind of started out with um, applications, you know, there's all this test based you know, application, you know, test based development. So, mm -hmm. you know, you started out with the, with the, doing these tests during development to verify that the application is running, mm -hmm. you know, a certain way, but then, you know, you kind of have to expand that out a little bit too, mm -hmm. you know, because that when I say application, really the test based development is usually part of the microservice. Yeah. So that's creating the microservice. And then 
what might change is those calls between services. And yes. that's really what, 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 you're, what you're talking about here, probably more of. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both, but okay. that's, kind of a, that's, got a, that's kind of an insightful point because the, um, you know, I, I've been in the software development game long enough to have been through multiple iterations of, you know, monoliths and, and service-based architectures. Yep. And what happens is with monoliths, uh, everything's stuffed into one big, uh, you know, container executable, and then the problem's in the code somewhere. And so you, like, need a deep analysis tool, which you've yep. seen a lot of great profilers come out for that. Yep. Um, then what happens when you go to service-based architecture is, okay, that problem's a lot easier, and then the problem just moves to between services yeah. now. <laughs> so it just as many problems, but they're, they're happening there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's funny that every time you solve a problem, you tend to create additional problems. So it's like, you know, you, you have to... You have to pick which ones you want. You want. You want to. You want to. You think are worth it. So, obviously, microservices is worth it. I mean, this created something a way for us to inject new services and just concentrate on that little piece. Yep. The complexity it added is that developers just concentrate on that one little piece now. So they're not typically in a, in large corporations that are developing these applications. There's multiple teams. Those mm -hmm. teams are saying, "Hey, I'm just going to focus on this." Yeah. Which is good and bad. They're focusing on one piece. The bad part is, is now they're, they're focusing on that one piece. They're not thinking about all the time how those other pieces might interject. So, or they can't. Yeah. Because the, the, the system is too big for a human to understand. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's more the common cause. It's, it's usually not, the onus isn't really on them. The onus is on other people to say, okay, well, how is this coming together? And usually where that comes together is when they're starting to commit the code yeah. and when they're starting to, to commit the into test. Yeah. So, you know, that's where they're seeing all those pieces come together and they're saying, okay, I'm building the, I'm building the Kubernetes cluster. These services are starting to communicate yeah. and then they see the failures. <laughs> yeah, the, the, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about some of the things our customers have hit. Uh, it's hilarious of like, oh, it's great. We're done. And, you know, then, then they push it out there and like, nothing works, yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing at all. And, and you get those. And so, you know, it's interesting. You made me think of, uh, um, so the great thing about microservices is like the, the pace of innovation. It's like you yep. said, everybody gets to move at their own pace and you get just a, a lot more stuff can get done. Right. Yeah. But the, the coordination problems are, are, are huge, right? Yeah. With those kind of things. And, uh, so it kind of is almost like the problem moved from development now where you had to compile everything into this big monolith, you know, there's this big build problem and, and, and synchronization problem. Now the synchronization problem, like you said, hits when you get into testing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, w like, um, uh, you know, one of the one of the examples we hit is kind of uh, um, somebody somebody writes a service and then they don't realize what the t you know how the service is actually going to be used by all the upstream services. They don't scale it properly. They make some design decisions for to optimize one kind of speed over another, or you know, data model, and they end up kind of having to redesign things after the fact. And so, you know, what I think is just you know to go on my soapbox a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what yeah. I think is that. Um, the, part of the problem is that people still think of API testing as a manual process yeah. because that's what we're used to, yep. right? Um, you have and you have great tools for that. You have yeah. you know the Postman's and the Insomnia's and all that, and yeah. they're great tools, right? Absolutely. Um, but they're designed for one kind of modality, which is like I'm a developer and I'm gonna I know yeah. what's gonna happen or whatever. Oh, sorry. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> the um, yeah, I'm a developer and I know what's gonna happen. And I think that what what you know what if cloud and, or you know all the Kubernetes and everything has taught us is automation is the key, right? Yes. So start treating your testing like uh, like cattle instead of pets, 
Yeah. Right. So how do you do that? Well, there's there's different things. Obviously, at SpeedScale, we're focused on something called traffic replay, which is saying let's copy what's going on in production and make the entire testing suite constantly refreshed, continuously tested, using uh, using what's really happening. Right. And so it's like let's let's match let's match the mindset of the people building the applications, the developers building it, and let's create uh, let's create a, a constantly updated automated framework instead of focusing just on all this manual stuff, which is how we worked in the past. So. That's working pretty well uh, yeah. for you know for, for a lot of companies, um, but uh, anyway. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the pipeline is king these days. You know, yeah. really, really, that's the key. When you're when you're doing security, you're shifting left, and you wanna you want as part of your pipeline. You want because really that's when and and real the, the the big thing is is that that's when pieces come together. So really, you need it to be there mm -hmm. because you don't have all the components yeah. in, in in their final. You know, kind of resting place yeah. before it gets to the pipeline, and then you don't want to have to do any of that manually. And if you did, there's a high likelihood that it that it wouldn't uh, work well. It wouldn't be the the correct testing. Mm -hmm. So you need that level of automation in order to, you know, ensure that these things. And and it gets more and more important as as your your uh, services grow, as your development teams grow, as your you know, you might be using internal and external APIs. You might yeah. be using, you know, different kinds of service meshes. You might be using, you know, all kinds of th things that need to come together and they need to work every time. Yeah. So what's, what is, so explain a little bit about how this works on, in your way. Does it, is it part of the pipeline? You know, how does it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> the, ultimately you want to be part of the pipeline. I, I yeah. love that phrase, you know, yeah. pipeline is king. Yeah. Um, the, and pipeline is king. You can use that by the way. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, so pipeline, you know, pipeline is king in because the pipeline is what protects the developer from, uh, you know, lack of knowledge. You know, how many times have we all, you know, picked up some service that you've never seen before? You don't know how it works. You don't know, uh, you know, you know, even the people that left it have left the company. I feel like it's almost like a release checklist. They're like, um, it, you know, is, is all of our monitoring noisy, but ultimately useless? <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, like all this, all the things that go wrong when you pick up these new services. Um, so, the, so uh, you know, you're picking up these, you're picking up these things, and those those services, the pipeline is there to protect you. So, what we do, uh, my company, SpeedScale, is we say, okay, we're going to go and take a recording of what's happening in production, and and I'll, we're going to go basically take that and treat it as like we call it a snapshot. But we're going to take a snapshot of the entire set of interactions happening. So. That means all the users hitting the front of your service, right? Now the user may be internal, right? It may be like one of those other uh, other teams that we talked about building their own service, or it might be uh, it might be uh, you know external users, or it, and then we go and we record the downstream dependencies as well. So basically, there's all this input and output going on to the service, right? Where we're and we're capturing all that stuff, these conversations. Then we take that as a snapshot and we move it into the CI pipeline. So there's actually two uses for it. So every time, so basically every time you uh, submit an MR or a PR, uh, SpeedScale will go and run the entire battery of tests from the pr from the production environment. Somebody changes something in one of those other services, we've got that because it's always staying up to date, right? And then we go and, and you're basically getting you know your functional tests where you're you're checking for API contract changes, you know any kind of drift. Then you also get a load test, you know you get some chaos testing, uh, not the same as infrastructure chaos, but like application level where like yeah, individual yeah. transactions, we can make them go bad, yeah, you know, yeah. in certain ways that are very, uh, and see how your application holds up, you know, with those kind of things. And that gets run every single time. So when, it, so when you submit a PR and it's accepted, it means more than just someone read the code, it means that it's actually going to work in prod, 
right, in a prod-like environment. So you're testing in prod without the danger of actually going to prod with the new software. That sounds like it, that would be preferred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also really hard. Uh, you yeah. know, I like to work on super hard problems. <laughs> but but the, the key in, in career choices is uh, you have to not know it's hard before yes. you start. Yeah. So, so you just get kind of dumbfounded on a daily basis yeah. staring yep. at it. You yep. know? Um, I, yeah, and I, and I can totally relate because I love the hard problems too. So I, I can, you know, definitely relate to that. Um, but uh, yeah, so... so I, I'm guessing that, you know, when you're saying you're recording this stuff, do you have like entry points that you're recording from? Do you have like gateways? Do you have like, you know, or do yeah. you grab it from a gateway or, you know, how do you? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. <laughs> um, actually, so uh, we, we have a variety of, way of ways of collecting data. Sure. Um, I think some of them are similar. You, I think uh, that, that Cisco actually has an open source project called API Clarity, yep. right? Yep. So we actually can work that way where we record from the service mesh. Uh, awesome. Use that as an entry point. Then we also can uh, use we can use like eBPF collectors. Oh, you, awesome. EBPF is yeah. like kind of a new fancy yeah. technology. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, actually. Well, it's it. not really new and fancy. What they're they're repurposing it. I would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's an old technology uh, with new and fancy. Features. Yes. They're, cro they're chroming it. You know, yeah. putting chrome all around it. <laughs> Making it easy. They're actually. <laughs> I, I I think they're dumbifying it a little bit because they they've actually made some really nice. Um, and dumbifying it in a good way. I'm not going to say you know because they've made some nice uh, abstractions that make the developers be able to consume it a lot easier. Yes. And that's why people are using it like crazy right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Right? For, yeah. For someone like me who's been in the monitoring space for, you know, for a long time, yeah. um, it's like magic. I can look inside of an app and I don't have to instrument it. Which you know, is amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, you know, it, anyway, it, I think it's, I'm very excited about that technology. But uh, so we can use that or we can uh, do proxies, like our own proxies. Sure. We can run in Kubernetes, out of Kubernetes. So we kind of treat the mon or sorry, the data collection as just whatever, you know, whatever fits. Um, when you do things like a service mesh, if you already have a service mesh, that's ideal yeah. because you're already doing things like, you probably are doing mutual TLS and yeah. you kinda, and we can just you know, jump right in there, Envoy will pass all the information. Uh, but for folks that are not doing that, you know, there's inserting an, an external proxy, there's some consequences. It can add latency and you know, other things like that. So we'll do that, right? Or we can do passive monitoring, whatever, you know, and, and collect all that stuff. And then basically, um, once that's pulled out, the actual the harder problem that people think, you know, you kind of think next is how do I scrub the data? Because privacy and, um, yeah. you know, it, it's become huge, yeah. right? So that's actually where a lot of what we focus on is, is how do you scrub the data properly and keep, keep, you know, keep it safe. Yeah, and, I, I, and I'm assuming that because you're getting it from all different sources that you have to kind of combine that data too and, and, and figure out, you know, what is what? Because obviously they're called different things and different, different yeah. you know, monitoring solutions and that's got to be a hard problem too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know, as I said, I really enjoy pain a uh, great deal. <laughs> I love, love just being in pain uh, technically all the time. So, uh, so one of the problems that we have is uh, – if you let's say that you you get an API call coming in the front of your service, right? Yeah. And that API KPI call says, "I would like to look up Mike's user profile." Yeah. Okay. Then you go out uh, and then the back end it goes to a database and says, "I'd like to you know give me Mike's user profile from the database." Pulls it in, sends it you know massages it or whatever, sends it back out. Well, if you're going to scrub the data and you're going to change Mike to something else. You not only have to change it on the request coming in, right, in like a recorded set of traffic, you also have to figure out what's going to the database and figure out, hey, Mike's in there too, right? And so, uh, so that turns out to be a, uh, a, a very, uh, very challenging. Yeah, I can imagine that. And I, I've been through those kinds of scenarios, so I totally, I totally get that. Now, one of the, one of the things I, I ask a lot is, you know, how do we simplify all this? Because, you know, I feel like, you know, and, and, and I get different answers depending on what area you're in. 
But Kubernetes is hard enough itself. Microservices are hard enough itself. Service mesh is hard enough itself. Monitoring is hard enough itself. How is anybody, you know, that's coming into this kind of new, newfangled way, how do we simplify it for them? Yeah. Because, you know, there's so many people, we've just scratched the surface of the amount of people that are getting interested in these technologies. Oh man, that's a, that's a big question. I actually, I, I, the first time I saw somebody use a service mesh, uh, I said, uh, I said, are you, are you using a service mesh like in development or are you actually like using it in anger in production? And he goes, I think the only way to use a service mesh is in anger. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, it's getting easier, right? It the, is. the bar is getting lower. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a clean and easy yeah, answer to that. I'm sure. But I'll say that the, um, you know, whenever there's new technology like Kubernetes and now service, you know, like Kubernetes is like the container orchestration and then like you get to things like Istio or Linkerd and they're kind of adding the networking layer, like yep. like sophisticated, you know, Calico, all these different things are, you know, we're working all that out, right? Yep. And then the next thing that happens is it gets smoothed out. You yep. know, there's like, a, okay, here's the stack that you want to use, you want to do. And I think you're starting to see that with things like, uh, like uh, OpenShift or OpenStack, am I mixing it up? Yeah. Uh, anyway, Red Hat's, uh, you know, you're seeing that happen where, um, you know, they're kind of figuring that out. And I think that that'll be critical for enterprise adoption because everybody's running headlong into Kubernetes, at least my customers. They're all yeah. going, you know, everybody's in. But they're all saying, like, uh, so, like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I've got this, uh, you know, okay, so how do I figure out my development tool chain? Uh, how do I get to where, because the developers, you know, there's a distinction between people who understand infrastructure technology and people who do feature development, yeah. right? Sometimes you get the same person. Those yep. are the 10X engineers who can yep. really do what both well. Yeah. Um, but the rest of us uh, have to have to kind of, you know, specialize a little bit. And so, um, you know, a lot, I think there's a lot of, one of the ways that they're, some of my customers are making, trying to make this easier, is by figuring out how to do things like uh, automated test containers. Yeah. So, um, like making this sort of edge compute where they get, every developer gets their own version and they don't have to understand it anymore. Right, so it's like they, you know, like remember what Terraform did for infrastructure as code, right? Yeah. Um, they're kind of taking that concept and saying, okay, can we multiply that so that people, so that they can get the benefits of uh, of, of the production or not, or the benefits of developing um, in, in that system without actually having to, do, you know, understand the infrastructure. So I think that's, you know, there will be shamans and, and experts yeah. and you know yeah. wizards that know how to do all that stuff, yep. and they will they will export it using these different sort of tools. Yeah, and that's that's a good you know it's it's an er interesting thing, and I talk about this a lot is that, you know these these kind of jobs roles and personas and things that we think about within this space, a lot of them are very converged, but there's also still a lot that are that are. Definitely, you know, they, they, they do one thing and that's all they want to do. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, developers can go into DevOps. I see that a lot. You know, yep. that, that's something you see. But you typically see the split off is between something really, I, I consider between like IT ops and DevOps. Okay. Because for me, DevOps, and this is the way I, I, I explain it. Maybe I don't explain it the right way. But to me, DevOps is looking at things through an application view. Okay. So when you think about DevOps, you're thinking about, okay, look at the application. What are the needs of that application? Does it need security? That shift left security. Does it need monitoring? Mm -hmm. You know, does yeah. it need, you know, what does it need? Do we need to look at all the services? Okay, then it needs a service mesh. But you're looking at it from that application and you're looking at it, okay, I care about that application. And typically people in, in DevOps care about the application. They don't care about the underlying networking or the underlying servers. That's uh -huh. really the delineator there. Yeah. They care, you know, up into the container is really what they care about. Yeah. And then IT ops cares from the bottom up. So they care about, you know, networking. They care about the servers and they care probably up to the VMware level or, mm -hmm. or, 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 or any kind of virtualization level. Mm -hmm. And that's where the handoff is to me. Okay. <laughs> 
What do you yeah. think? You know, so so, but there's so much. You know, it's hard to define. You know, who's doing what because it's moving around so much. Yeah, every company. I mean, startups are doing everything at once, right? Yeah. But so, the, what I hear from what you said is there's a there's a a, a se separation of like there's a uh, you create centers of specialization. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, like, we work with companies, or I work with companies all across the spectrum of sure. folks who are you know big financial institutions that have got you know very very mature yes. right security oriented ha yeah. they have to be yep. um, and then all the way to just crazy wild people like speed scale where we yeah. just do all <laughs> kinds of you know I, you know I, I, whenever i take my glasses off you know you know get the crazy eyes i'm going to do something crazy now yeah. you know um, so uh, they kind of uh, you know we, we work with all that and i think i think you're I, I understand your point of view and i can see it the same way where like when you get to the the bigger um, the bigger organizations uh, when you i think like your delineation of getting to the vm maybe what it ultimately becomes is we're going to cost optimize that, right? And you need specialized skills to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. You need to know, let's say you're on, you know, if you're on bare metal, right? That's a, you know, you really, it matters exactly which hardware you buy and how. If you're running a cloud provider, you need to understand exactly how AWS or Google or whoever, sure. right? How they do this stuff and what ways you're going to tweak it. Like, uh, like example, um, one of our infrastructure engineers, uh, his name's Kush, he just did, figured out that if we switched over to ARM, compute, we'd save 30%. Yeah. 30%? Uh, I'm like, you got my attention now. What was that? What was that? You know, like, uh, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that an expert knows yeah. that just a, a generalist doesn't. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so I don't know if you see it the same way, but it's like eventually you get to a point where the, the dollar amounts are large enough, you need to start specializing like that and that, that and get that line. Yeah, and I also think that that's where the cares change too because like the, the people in IT ops, they care more about cost. Mm -hmm. The people in DevOps care more about performance and how their application and yeah. where it's, where it's, you know, and, and I kind of feel like that and, and really, it comes from the fact that, um, you know, in today's world, it's a cloud-based world. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't even know about the infrastructure. They just go to AWS or Google or Azure or whatever yeah. it is. And, and they say, I'm just, I just want this service. Give me this service the fastest way I can get it. Let yeah. me consume it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, th and that's really, and that's why I think there's more of that delineation now. You know, it's funny. What I thought you were going to say is kind of like the consumerization of development. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, because uh, that's kind of what it sounds like you're, yeah, yeah. you're kind of pushing towards is that what they really want is, uh, you know, what, you know, just like go, go to a website and say, give me X amount of, uh, you know, whatever I need. I don't want to tell you exactly what that is, but here's my app, right? Yeah. And I just want it fast. Yeah. Right? You know? Well, I mean, yeah. that's the thing with APIs. If I'm a developer and I, you know, I used to do development, for me, I'm looking at what is the fastest way I can develop this app? Oh, there's a cool API over here. It does what I want. Does it have good documentation? Okay. Does it have open source? Okay. Uh, is are there videos? Okay. I'm going to consume that. No, it's, I don't. I know nothing about it, but it's going to solve my app need for right now. It, yeah. may, it may destroy something later on, but. <laughs> <laughs> or like the constant argument of uh, developers, they'll say. Uh, well, wait a minute. I'm going to install your tool. Well, I'm not running some crazy curl off of the internet, you know, like some crazy. But I'll run your brew command. Yeah, yeah. You're like, those are the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll stitch it together and worry, worry about it later. But you know, the thing is, is that um, you see a lot with. It's like the, all the early adopters, they rushed in, right? And their developers made those choices, like you're saying. They yep. pulled in some crazy thing, whatever, and they're living with it now, yep. right? And they've got to go get it. But I think um, you know, as we get more mature, you know, the it, it gets like what what a good API is. I think is also starting to standardize. Yeah. So you know, I don't know what your perspective on that is, but like, 
I see it as like, you know, it's not, it used to be like, oh, well, I have a swagger spec, and people be like, wow, you're, yeah, that's pretty sophisticated, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> now it's more like, okay, well, I have rate limiting, I have the security checks, yeah. I have all the different things that go yeah. in. My API is designed in such a way that it, the, the logical, you know, it all kind of makes sense, and the, you know, how, how it stitches together. Um, I think as that gets better, it's going to get easier. I don't know if you're seeing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think that, you know, open API, swagger, all those yeah. kind of things have really, really made it so that there's a way to define it and a way to define it nice. Now, a lot of, believe me, I've seen a lot of Swagger specs and open API specs that are not written good. I mean, a lot of times <laughs> that, has, that has to do with even just basic things like if you need to authenticate, they don't have the right things in there for yeah. authentication. Then you got to like download the spec, change it yourself, and then, you know, and re-import it or do something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think that as we get into this, you know, this world of microservices more, that becomes way more important. And mm -hmm. I think what you're starting to see, and, and I see it where I am, is that, you know, API quality is such a huge thing right now. Yeah. You know, because we really have to figure that out. I mean, it's, and it's not only just using something like OpenAPI. There has to be, each organization has to define these standards. The development teams have to define these standards. Mm -hmm. And they have, to, they have to stick with it. And yep. they have to make sure they understand that, hey, there's versioning for these types of things. There's yep. not versioning for these, or there's, this is, you know, there has to be a reason why you need to break an API. Yeah. And it has to be a good reason, you know, because so many times they'll just be, ah, you know, they'll figure it out, you know, and it's, it, that's just not, you can't do that these days. People are not going to want to consume your APIs mm -hmm. if you're just going to say, hey, we're just going to break it. So, so how do you do that? You know, and uh, stating the obvious, you have to measure. Yeah. Right? And right now, uh, at least, it's, it's really exciting time to me because those measurements are not repeatable. It's not science. Like, it's not scientific, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so what, what I'm focusing on, what my company's focusing on, is how do we give people the, the knowledge and the tools to have build-over-build measurements? So yes. even something simple, you know, like I thought we are going to have to do all this fancy stuff, right? You know, all this cool, you know, oh, wizardry, you know, to figure <laughs> out this. And it turns out that, like, just showing people a dashboard that says, hey, this build ran at this latency, right? Yeah. And this, this, you know, this uh, TGI gest or whatever it is. Okay, and then the next build, you did, you did something. You know, on this next build, you did something, and now it has, it has you know, you got 15% lower yeah. performance. Yeah. Just that is, is stunningly useful. Right? Yes. To where, you know, people can say, oh man, you know, what happened? Or even seeing it over monthly trends, right? They'd yeah, be like, yeah. look what's going on right here. Yeah. And then you wonder, and you get into the system that maybe you don't even understand. Maybe it's a Death Star like Netflix, you know, with all the different, you know, microservices <laughs> talking to each other, you know, whatever. And then nobody understands that system, and they go, oh, now it's starting to become clear. We have this trend line that's been yeah. going down. And so I feel like it's like, um, you know, bringing the science, bringing the measurements, right? That's only starting now, and so it's an exciting time to go to go build stuff like that. Obviously, we're chip, chipping away at our part of the problem at speed yeah. scale. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that's that's really, you know, that's the key. Is it's it, we gotta we've got to get into like you know Google. They released their uh, what was it the the SRE handbook. Um, yep. Trying to remember. Yeah. 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 The SRE, you know, they're like here's the golden signals. Well, you know, you need more than the golden signals, <laughs> but it's a good starting point. Yes. <laughs> you know, for understanding things, and so. We're kind of figuring that out in APIs as well. By the way, you did mention Death Star, and I have to mention that my five-year-old son is super into Star Wars now. Yeah. So you might have just got his interest, <laughs> you know. So that's that's you know that's really interesting there. So we're getting to the end here. Um, what you know, the one thing we are at KubeCon, and I do want to mention that um, the the thing that I do ask everyone that's here is what's interesting. Like, what are you excited about seeing? What do you what are, or what have you seen so far? I know it's day one, so you probably haven't seen that much. But what, what, are you, what are you excited about technology-wise? I mean, you, you seem like a technologist like I am, and what's, what's interesting you right now? Oh, um, <laughs> wow, that, I could go on for a long time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
I think that the the focus on standardizing GetOps is super exciting. Yeah. I know that's a little bit, it, it's technology, but it's also uh, like a philosophy, is you know kind of the four steps, they have the open, open GetOps project now, yep. yeah, and the, the four steps, like if you actually internalize those and put it into your thinking, a lot of stuff gets solved. Like a lot yeah. of horrible enterprise problems, I spent a long time in the enterprise, just horrible problems just go away if you just like, I'm gonna follow these rules, right? So that's, that's really exciting, and I also think that Obviously, I mentioned DPPF. I'm, yeah. I'm actually giving a talk on that later. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, su super excited about that. Um, you know, the, the, this kind of magic technologies, and then I think also uh, the, the the networking stack or Kubernetes. I mean, the the evolution of service meshes, because it's like you get the 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 original like I, th I think I don't mischaracterize things, but like. Yeah. The original service mesh was like, let's just throw the kitchen sink in. Let's get everything in there. What do we got, right? Yeah. And now we're starting to whittle down. Go, like, okay, here's what it's really useful yeah. for. And so when you figure that out, you know, Kubernetes. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, yeah. now enterprises can grab it and just yeah. take it off the shelf and do what they need to. And so yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot I can talk about. Yeah, I, I tr trust me. I mean, I I'm so so excited about so many different things here, and I just I could go off, you know, a, a, you know, a million different things. But um, you know, one of the things I do think about a lot is like. What does the Kubernetes core need to be like? And, mm -hmm. and because I feel like there's so many things that they're like, ah, maybe we should add this, or maybe we should add this. You know, yeah. I feel like there has to be this, um, you know, this this decision of we only do up to here. That's it. Yeah. And and then you know, let's focus on these things. You know, maybe it's control plane. Maybe it's just uh -huh. the the just the control plane for you know um, for installing microservices, or maybe it's logging and the control plane, or maybe I'm just giving examples here. I, I, I'm not. I have no opinion on this. Well, yeah. I probably do, but I'm not going to give it down. Um, and, Your next guest yeah. might have a different opinion. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there should be some kind of, uh, you know, this is our manifest of w where we're going to go to. We're not going to go outside this. But I guess everything's, you know, adapting so fast. Well, isn't and, that the great thing about yeah. the community <laughs> approach, what the CNCF is fostering, right? Yeah. Is all flowers bloom and then, like you said, eventually we figure out, okay, this was the part that worked. That's yeah. the great thing about this, this approach. Yeah. Uh, you know. The only thing I worry about is like, you know, there's a lot of companies that do spawn up around, uh, you know, uh, around the Kubernetes core. You know, you don't want to take too much of that away because you're taking companies features away mm -hmm. that, that are part of that yeah. or, or project features that, that you know, are, are around there. So that's why I worry about like, I'm a comp I'm company A, I'm creating all these features because we didn't see them in Kubernetes, Kubernetes, you know, the CNCF or, or whoever, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, the people on the Kubernetes project, I should say, are see that and like, oh, well, we could just make that a, a feature. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, well, I mean, that's, that's startup life, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the danger of the whole thing is yeah. uh, somebody turns your thing into a feature and, uh, yeah. um, you know, but hey, isn't that, uh, I mean, what we're ultimately here for is to serve the community, serve, cust serve customers, serve yeah. whoever. And you know, and so then, uh, if that happens, then you, uh, you know, that's that's for the better of the community. You move on, but you know, uh, that, but I don't want one of the big people to grab our company. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or to, uh, to copy of us. course not. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you know, we're going to wrap things up. Where can people find you? Where can people, you know, see you online? Do you have a yeah. LinkedIn? Do you have a Twitter? Do you, you know, yeah. videos? What, what do you do? And we're going to put it down in the in the notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this like like people can see it right now. Like there's actual notes floating through the air. <laughs> but uh, you know, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on, uh, obviously, LinkedIn, uh, Matthew Luray, and then you can find me on Twitter, Matthew Luray, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, you can go to our, if you want to, um, you know, kind of interact with us, you can join the SpeedScale community, which is my company, yeah. you can join our community, and we can talk directly, or go to our blog, and uh, yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for being on our show. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. All right. All right.